This is VOCM News Talk. Call 709-273-5211 or 1-888-590-8626. The views and opinions of this program are not necessarily those of this station. Here's VOCM News Talk host Linda Swain. Well, good afternoon, everyone. I trust you're having a great day. It looks like we have a fairly decent weekend ahead. A bit of rain in some areas, of course. Uh, But um, hopefully it won't result in too much in the way of problems for anyone. Certainly quite different today than it was uh, yesterday when we left the station here yesterday. Hey, Claudette, it was pretty slippery, slidey. Yeah, it certainly was. The parking lots and then the driveway and then some of the lanes. So, yeah, what a difference. It puts a smile on my face almost as much as it does, you know, knowing that it's your 35th anniversary. No, you're not going there. In the building. Yeah. happy anniversary, happy anniversary. I know, I know you hate this. Happy anniversary. Happy anniversary. I do hey, love the uh, Flintstones, though. It's Swain's anniversary, is it? I'm going to give her a most funny version of happy anniversary. Happy anniversary, happy anniversary, happy anniversary, happy anniversary, happy, 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 happy anniversary. Have a good day. Talk to you after. Oh, I'm from the Ghouls. Ghouls rules, baby. Hi, I would like to wish happy anniversary of 35 years being the radio station. To Linda Swain, she's indeed, I haven't met her personally, but I've spoken to her many times for our contests and things like that. And I would like to wish her the best. And I know that uh, DOCM is a lot better having her on, on the staff because she is one good person. And enjoy your days. And I hope you have many more. Maybe I'll be around to wish you a happy 55th anniversary too. My name is Maxine. And have a good day. Bye-bye. Hi, Claudette. It's Leonard. I'd like to wish uh, Linda Swain happy anniversary. It only seemed like yesterday that uh, I was speaking to her on Open Line about uh, a show that used to come on in Nova Scotia. I think we kept the phone lines uh, busy for all that uh, night uh, trying to find out who uh, played the doctor on one of the soap operas. Uh, it was for my mom and my uh, uncle that's passed on. Uh, an old Linda can recall that night, uh, like I said, uh, we finally got the answer. I don't know what it is today, but uh, but thanks, Linda, for all your uh, hard work and dedication to POCM and to our listeners. Thanks, and happy anniversary again. Bye. Oh, Linda, you helped somebody find out a soap a- actor's name. That's impressive. I don't remember that. <laughs> See, you do so many different things for people and anyway. just, you know, you forget about it. That was sweet. Uh, thank you very much for yeah. that, Claudette. Uh, we'll talk later. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, and I said this to our general manager, um, Mike Murphy, this morning. I said, you know, the, the, the one thing I that heard. nobody is, uh, you know, giving me any credit for is the fact that I started here when I was three years old. <laughs> um But that said, uh, we're going to go to uh, the lines now, and we're going to start our show this afternoon with the president of the FFAW, Greg Pretty. Hello, Greg. Hi, Linda. How are you? I'm great. How are you? Well, let me join uh, the group in wishing you happy anniversary. I can't believe, I can't believe it's 35 years. You must have started extremely young. But uh, congratulations, a job well done, and I'm sure lots more to come. 
Well, thanks a lot. Uh, I uh, don't take to this kind of attention very well, just saying. So I'm always okay. left a little bit uh, bemused and bewildered, <laughs> so to speak. But I do appreciate it. Thank you very much. Well, Greg, um, we've been talking a lot uh, lately about issues facing the fishery. And uh, yesterday I had a chat with uh, OCI uh, CEO Blaine Sullivan about, um, or Martin Sullivan, I should say, about uh, this uh, recent um, acquisition of uh, a variety of quotas from Nova Scotia in exchange for the uh, sell-off of their um, scallop quota in offshore Nova Scotia. Uh, Will that have any kind of an impact here? Unknown at this point in time. Uh, We don't have uh, any detail except uh, a couple of media reports uh, quoting uh, the worth of the scallop uh, quota that they had. So I I, I don't know the amounts involved, so it's very difficult to... uh, to um, to comment on it, uh, although I will say this, uh, we are very concerned and will be looking for <clears throat> transfers that impact northern cod. I can tell you that one up front. So if this thing is about northern cod, then we will be talking to the right authorities about it. But right now, at this point in time, uh, I don't have enough information to uh, to proceed on it. Well, it includes northern cod. It includes redfish. Uh, what will that mean? Well, the redfish was pretty well out there. It's been out there for the last couple of weeks. So, yeah, uh, OCI is one of the uh, companies involved in redfish or others. And so that's a concern. Uh, I don't have any detail. Uh, Somebody's quoting Northern Cod. The other report said uh, it was just cod could be Nova Scotian, off Nova Scotia. I really don't have the details. So I'll be in a position to comment on that when uh, I have uh, further details from uh, from, uh, DFO on those quota swaps. And the union had representation, of course, uh, in Quebec recently for that uh, demonstration on the, the redfish announcement made by the federal minister. Where are we with all of that? Have you had any opportunity to discuss this with the minister? Any progress there? Uh, first of all, let me say that uh, thanks and uh, to Ren Ginge, a, red, a shrimp harvester from the from the Great Northern Peninsula, and our secretary treasurer, Jason Spingle, were in Quebec along with a handful of uh, our harvesters from the from the peninsula. Uh, they went to Quebec t- to protest uh, along with uh, Gulf fishermen, fishermen from Quebec, fishermen from New Brunswick. Uh, I want to congratulate them for, for standing up. They are standing up. They are standing up for the Great Northern Peninsula in this province. What we saw here was a transfer of resource, <clears throat> not based on an adjacency principle, and not based on socioeconomic conditions, but a, a transfer that was senseless in that it was completely trans, transferred to, to uh, corporate Canada. And uh, as you've heard over the last couple of weeks, some of these companies don't even have vessels to pursue <clears throat> the fishery. So... Uh, it's an important one. I've asked for a meeting with the minister on that. I don't have it yet. I did manage to speak with uh, federal MPs on the issue, uh, but I'm really looking for uh, a meeting with the minister uh, to get this on the table. As you know, um, not just me, but uh, ministers of fisheries in this province, New Brunswick, Quebec, really <clears throat> had the rug pulled on them on this issue. It was a 180-degree turn from where they were. On, on spelling out 
exactly the worth of that redfish industry for this province. And uh, it's gone. And uh, so that needs to be fixed. The, <clears throat> the campaign will continue and until this, uh, there is justice sought on this redfish fishery in the Gulf. So they're calling us phase one, uh, the announcement that was made a short while ago. Uh, do you expect anything further in these, the, the further uh, rollout of these phases? Well, I'm glad to hear that because it wasn't phase one at the time. Uh, so I guess that's something they've developed along the way. Uh, I expect, what I expect them to do is what their former uh, MPs stood up for. When we had strong leadership in Ottawa, they stood up for people. And I expect the same thing to happen here and that, that there will be justice for our shrimp harvesters, people who want to get into uh, the, the uh, redfish fishery, people who want to process it, and people who need to work in our, our plants. We don't need another regime where our stocks, not based on adjacency, can wind up in another province or another country for production. And I think that's exactly where we're headed on redfish unless DFO, the minister, uh, puts the brakes on this uh, entire uh, schmazzle. So what else is happening? Um, crab talks uh, ongoing. How is that going? It's going as expected. Uh, so that's all I'll say on that. Uh, but I will say we we haven't broken off. I, I got some comments today that the thing is uh, has broken off. It hasn't. And we'll continue um, towards a, an agreement on a formula. Uh, most, I, I did want to speak to you about that uh, grievance and arbitration decision. I think that's a pretty significant decision. And there are a couple of points uh, that, that people should know about if you're okay with that. Yeah, go right ahead. Okay. The arbitration, of course, the grievance was launched by ASP and was heard. And a decision was made um, a couple of weeks ago on the thing. They, the arbitrator ruled that our actions, I guess, composed a uh, cessation of business in his, uh, in his opinion. That's fine. But he also uh, uh, revealed a couple of very interesting points, which will, you know, which will continue into the future. One of which was is that he says he understands that the outdated legislation uh, makes it impossible for the FFAW to do its job of representing fish harvesters during a tie-up. So that doesn't only include me as president. It includes our committees, our bargaining committees. It also includes people who stand to represent on a voluntary basis their, in, their individual crab fishing fleets. So that's pretty significant. It makes it impossible for us to do our job properly. He acknowledged that the price is too low and no harvester has to fish. That was important too. So as a result of that, <clears throat> the next step in the arbitration process is to move on to the next hearing, which will determine if there's, if there's um, fault here and if there's a mitigation issue, is there a causation issue? And <clears throat> based on that, they'll, he'll determine whether or not there are costs to be awarded to to ASP. So to that end, of course, if they're saying they have damages, then they have to prove it. And to that end, to help them with that, 
We have asked to subpoena uh, all their crab landings over the last five years, broken down in daily volumes for each individual plant covered by ASP, production and production and purchase figures for the last five years, uh, figures broken down in product form, and uh, production-related um, cost over the last five years, plus their, their sales. Uh, because without that, of course, I mean, it's difficult to determine whether or not they actually um, suffered a loss because of that six-week tie-up. So that's important. That's out there. We may launch a constitutional challenge on whether or not in return for, under the legislation, in return for uh, no strike, no lockout, I mean, we can't, they can't have it all. Uh, they get no strike, no lockout, but people have a, a right to represent uh, their members, whether it be me or to chair the committee or to chair the uh, different fleets. So we probably need to have a constitutional challenge on that because there's some gray area there. But most importantly, the arbitrator, I thought, uh, identified that the legislation is pretty much outdated and it needs to be brought up to speed. So we'll be contacting the authorities uh, with respect to having that changed. You and I have spoken about this before, but there are there any concerns that uh, markets might have been lost as a result of the tie-up? No. No. Not not at all. They, uh, I think uh, I think it was well over ninety percent that the uh, quota was caught, and we are told that the inventories, unlike last year, the inventories are pretty pretty normal right now. So they caught it and have they've moved it, and that's uh, quite a quite an amount of crab, as you know. And that was a, a, a factor in in the price, of course. It was this uh, the amount of inventory that was still left. Of course, yeah, and no, no question about that. I mean, I mean we had uh, crab started around four sixty-five a pound um, back uh, back in May, and it was um, it was a significant. Like we called it a crash, the market actually crashed, but started to rebound fairly quickly after the fishery started. So you know, those things will be determined at uh, at arbitration. If they have a loss, they have to prove it. Let's 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 have a look at your at your numbers. Let's have a look at your production. So we'll take it to the next step and and see what happens. How long is that process expected to take? Well, I'm hoping to get this uh, done fairly quickly. So our legal team is uh, working accordingly to get this thing uh, heard and uh, a decision made. Greg Pretty, I do appreciate your time. Thank you so much. Linda, once again, congratulations on 35. All the best, and uh, have a great weekend. Cheers. You as well. Thank you. Okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye. Uh, Greg Pretty is the president of the FFAW. When we come back, uh, the owners of... Uh, uh, GC Strategies have been summoned to testify before Federal Government's Operations Committee or face arrest. Uh, Coming up right after this. Stay informed and have your say on the news of the day with your VOCM. Join Linda Swain weekday afternoons from 4 to 5 p.m. for an hour of talk and discussion with decision makers and listeners like you. News Talk on your VOCM.
And we are back. Well, the owners of CG Strategies have been summoned to testify before the Federal Government's Operations Committee or face arrest. Christian Firth and Darren Anthony have to now fail to respond to summons to appear before the House of Commons, but the conservation, uh, sorry, the conservative motion passed in Parliament this week followed a filibuster will uh, and will compel them to appear or arrest warrants will be issued. Federal opposition critic for ethics and accountable government michael barrett joins me now good afternoon michael thanks for having me on so uh we know now what the ag has said and what she was unable to determine about uh the procurement of the arrive can app and uh the uh i, I guess the paper trail uh not even knowing how much was spent on it what uh what is the conservative opposition looking for Look, this audit is incredibly important. It's the $60 million Justin Trudeau Arrive scam. This is uh, for an app that um, ultimately uh, didn't function as it was supposed to, wrongly quarantined 10,000 Canadians and saw massive payments worth tens of millions of dollars going to a two-person company that did no actual IT work. So the Auditor General report, this, this important report, was voted against uh, by uh, the Liberal Party, the Liberal government, and uh, we were able to get that passed. And since then, we've been pursuing this this issue while we waited for the report. Now we have the report, um, and, and just this week we were able to pass a, a very important motion with that two-person company. Um, they've been avoiding parliamentary summons, and uh, we've now passed a motion after um, a filibuster, a talkathon by Liberal members, uh, that will require the... Um, the, the two people from that two-person company to testify about uh, about their involvement in this scandal. Um, and if they uh, refuse, um, there'll be a warrant will be issued for their arrest, and uh, and they'll be brought to Parliament to answer our questions by the Sergeant at Arms. A very rare step, but very important in this case. Rare step indeed. Um, has this type of action been taken before in these kinds of matters? This is exceedingly rare. There was some precedent in the mid 2000s, um, and uh, and well, a hundred years before that. Uh, but it is absolutely a power of um, of parliamentarians of of parliament to send for people in papers, and when they refuse, um, that a warrant is issued, and uh, the sergeant at arms carries out that lawful order for people to uh, to appear. The pandemic was a very unusual time, and you know one of the catchphrases that were, was used continually was "pivot." Uh, expediency when it came to uh, government was also important. We're seeing things here in this province now, and we've seen it in Ottawa. Um, programs that were put in place uh, in a in a you know expedient manner uh, to address some very real concerns that were happening at the time. But uh, th- does it concern you that these kinds of things may continue to uh, raise their heads in, in in the years ahead. Well, even in the case of of this app, which was developed during the pandemic, uh, the Auditor General was very clear that uh, an emergency is no justification to throw the rules out the window. That's what she said, and, and she's absolutely right. The problem that's been identified through this program, though, is that this same company that received twenty million dollars, GC Strategies, to work on on this arrive scam they've been receiving contracts from the liberals since they were elected in 2015 worth 
$258 million. This is a two-person company. I, I mean, that number would make sense if we were talking about, you know, a, a, a big company with, you know, hundreds of staff and a big office tower. This is literally two guys working out of a basement of a suburban Ottawa home, and um, they're not doing IT work on the IT contracts. Um, and so it's it's absolutely unacceptable that um, that you know, when the government's spending this amount of money, uh, it's not on, you know, salaries for public servants or um, or, or programs for Canadians. Um, it's commissions for people who, who are no value add to uh, to the Canadian public. And, you know, there's no extra money in people's pockets um, at the end of the month, uh, you know, just struggling to get payday to payday. But uh, there seems to be extra money in, in Justin Trudeau's Ottawa for, for insiders. And, you know, Linda, we're going to look to get some of this money back from the people who received it because we consider these to be ill-gotten gains, and um, and Canadians need to know that there's accountability for their money in Ottawa. And what has the federal government's uh, response been to date on this uh, uh, new initiative here? Well, they've been, uh, frankly, they've been dragging their feet. Uh, there's uh, been a cover-up uh, underway just this week when we were trying to pass the motion to have the, the two folks from GC Strategies brought before committee. They filibustered. They talked it out for, for literally a couple of days. Um, they, they did vote against the Auditor General doing the audit, um, and they continue to obstruct. But um, we're going to keep uh, pursuing this matter, and there are officials at committee on uh, uh, on Wednesday of this week, said that um, if they do find that there has been wrongdoing, that it is possible that the the remedy that they use is to recover some of the funds. And we're absolutely going to pursue that because, um, you know, uh, in spite of the government's reluctance, uh, this is essential for Canadians' confidence. You know, people pay their taxes and have expectations about, um, about you know, program delivery and service delivery. They also expect that, um, that the money isn't going to fund uh, fraudulent activities. Michael Bennett, I do appreciate your time. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Linda. Have a great rest of the day. And uh, that is the federal opposition critic for ethics and accountable government, Michael Barrett. I said Bennett, but uh, it's Barrett. Well, we're up to news time now with Richard Duggan. Stay tuned for that. When we come back, uh, the Airline Pilots Association has filed an unfair labor practice application. Uh, We'll tell you more about that. We'll come back right after the break. This is News Talk on VOCM. Start your day off right. Get the latest updates on news, traffic, and weather conditions, plus interviews with today's newsmakers your go-to source before you get on the go 5 30 to 9 a.m weekdays your vocm mornings thank you richard and claudette well tomorrow marks a very unfortunate anniversary the second anniversary of the russian invasion of ukraine and the local ukrainian community is hosting a special memorial event at the basilica of saint john the baptist to remember the lives lost in the war sophia dubik joins me now Sophia Dubrik, um, there is uh, an, an event planned at the Basilica tomorrow to mark the second anniversary of the Russian invasion of Ukraine. What have you got planned for tomorrow? And, uh, we we uh, like a short service to honor of the memory of the lives in the Russian war of aggression against Ukraine. We will have a cut of reading of the names of people. Uh, who are known to the Ukrainian community 
uh, who is passed away and as well uh, can be light and like it's a short time when we can to be together and uh, don't forget about uh, Ukrainian heroes, Ukrainian um, women and men. That's, that's all. I don't think anyone would have thought that this terrible event would still be going on two years after the fact. What what's the impact been like on your country and, and your and your community? Uh, I think it's a big bigger uh, and. Um, I think that this two years is, is more and more changes in the inside inside in the Ukrainian community in the St. John's. But uh, I think for our people who is now here is a big day and big date and big uh, big time tomorrow to to, to remember to don't forget. Uh, about uh, our fam- families who are still in Ukraine. Are you getting a lot of support in the community here? Huh? Yes, there's a very, very magic people, a magic uh, uh, province, and um, we feel like I cannot to say like in home, but very close, like in home. But um, we have a, a lot of support of government, of people, of um, now we have a second family and uh, more and more friends in this community. Sophia, I'm so, so uh, glad that you were able to join us uh, today on this uh, very important occasion. Dzień uh, dobry. Thank you very much. And um, welcome tomorrow uh, to, to, to do our event. Thank you once again. And for those interested, it's taking place from 2 to 2.45 tomorrow at the Basilica of St. John the Baptist. And if you're looking for more detail on that, we will have some something up on uh, VOCM.com tomorrow. Well, on that same vein, Russia's embassy in Ottawa was quick to dismiss the new sanctions Canada has imposed on 10 Russian officials and businessmen, as well as 153 entities in that country. It put out a tweet saying, quote, another round of sanctions by the Trudeau cabinet is meaningless, just like all previous measures of this kind, and added, Russian citizens and organizations couldn't care less. Well, the sanctions imposed by Canada, the U.S., the U.K., and European Union are timed to coincide with the second anniversary tomorrow of Russia's full-scale invasion of Ukraine. A memorial service is taking place, as we said, at the Basilica of St. John the Baptist tomorrow from 2 to 2.45. When we come back, uh, I mentioned the Airline uh, Airlines Pilots Association. I will uh, get into that and uh, We'll also hear about a fun little event taking place in Grand Falls, Windsor tomorrow. Stay tuned for that. This is News Talk on VOCN. Your voice in Newfoundland and Labrador's biggest conversation. If you want to know what's happening in your province, tune in to Open Line every day. Have your say weekday morning starting at 9 a.m. on Open Line with Patty Daly on your VOCM. And we're back. Well, the Airline Pilot Association has filed an unfair labor practice application against Air Borealis. President of ALPA Canada, Tim Perry, joins me now. Well, Tim Perry, ALPA has uh, filed an unfair labor practice um, um, application uh, against Air Borealis. Tell us what this is all about. 
Yeah, so um, I think it's important to look back here. We've been uh, representing the Air Borealis pilots for uh, over four years now, and they're still without a collective agreement. And um, we we uh, went through a, a lengthy process that involved um, some mediation and and reached a, a tentative agreement, reached an agreement actually, and uh, and the unfair labor practice that we filed is is because we don't feel that um, the employer, the company Air Borealis, is holding up their end of the bargain. So this has been filed. What uh, what happens now? Well, um, the, the board, the CIRB, the Canada Industrial Relations Board, will, will get involved and uh, appoint um, some, uh, some folks to you know, take on the file and, and, uh, and, and, and hear it out and, and ultimately uh, potentially rule. There will be opportunities for, uh, I think, for the company to, um, you know, to, to correct their, what we feel is a mistake. Uh, but basically the, the board, the CIRB, gets involved at this point. What specifically are you arguing here? Okay, so in this case, uh, we had uh, an issue with uh, pilots being assigned um, home-based training or online training. That's part of being a pilot is, is receiving uh, you know, training, and some of that is done online. Uh, and what's happened here is that the, um, the scheduling of it and the tracking of it, uh, even though it was once agreed to uh, in bargaining as a tentative agreement, um, they're, they're now saying that uh, they don't want to you know, live up to the agreement that they, that they did reach with us. And you know, furthermore, we're finding that uh, rather than go through the appropriate channels, which is to uh, work through the pilot's representatives, which is their union, us, ALPA, um, they've been um, you know, writing memos, one in particular, to the pilots directly, and they've really put the, uh, the entire collective agreement, including the wage increases that they've earned through collective bargaining, um, at risk. They've been sort of holding those, uh, the other parts of the collective agreement hostage um, with the hopes that we will agree to concede on this uh, one particular issue that was, as I mentioned, already agreed to. How many members do you have uh, working for Air Borealis? Uh, I'd have to check the exact uh, uh, number because it does fluctuate a little bit. Uh, I do believe it's around 60 pilots. Tim Perry, I, I do appreciate your time. Thank you very much. I'm very glad to be here. Thank you very much, Linda. And Tim Perry is the uh, president of ALPA Canada. Well, the federal and provincial governments have announced an increase to the oil to electric incentive program. The $24 million agreement will see the maximum amount people can receive to transition from oil to heat pumps increase from $17,000 to $22,000. Federal and provincial government representatives gathered at the Paul Reynolds Community Centre in St. John's this morning for the announcement. Here's some of what MP Goody Hutchings had to say. This is a great day as Vernon 
Bernie said, and it's all about partnerships. And we know that many people across Newfoundland and Labrador are ready to make the switch from home heating oil to cheaper and cleaner sources of energy. And today's announcement is just about that. It's making life more affordable for families while also taking meaningful climate action. So that's a win-win for everybody, my friends. So I'm pleased today to announce, announce on behalf of the Government of Canada an investment of $24 million towards Newfoundland and Labrador's oil to electric incentive program. So eligible households across the province can now get up to $22,000 to switch from expensive and polluting oil heat to cheaper, cleaner, and more efficient electric heating systems. And most of these systems offer you a cooling option in the warmer months that we're seeing now in the summertime. So let's talk about what this really means for your home. What does $22,000 mean for you? It means that the average heat pump is free for qualified households of low and uh, medium income families. So yeah, so the benefits of switching will continue to flow for years to come. So once you make that switch, each and every year you're going to save thousands of dollars in heating costs and cooling costs. I've heard from people in my riding that are saving $800 a month in the winter months. Can you imagine that? That's money back in their pockets, back when they talk about kitchen table issues at the end of the day. And as Bernie said, thousands have already made the switch right here at home in Newfoundland and Labrador. So many more can now, too. Since we've launched the updated heat program alongside the province in December, Bernie just announced over 2,000 families have already applied. And that's on top of the 4,500 households who already installed heat pumps through the Greener Homes Grant Program. And we're expecting well over another 3,000 homes to make the transition this year alone. So like all of Atlantic Canada, we also use a lot of home heating oil in Newfoundland and Labrador, particularly in our older homes. Look, when those homes were built years ago, it was the most affordable way to heat your home. But times have changed. It's now the most expensive option. It's four times the price of natural gas and twice as polluting. So friends, the benefits of switching to an electric heat source is clear. It is a win-win for everybody. And with today's investment of $24 million from the federal government, we're ready to install even more heat pumps, so you're going to be busy, Bernie. We've made it a priority to support families who want to reduce their resilience on heating oil and put money back in their pockets and help them make the switch. For families not eligible for the home for the Newfoundland and Labrador Oil to Electric Incentive Program, don't worry, we've got supports for you as well. So check out the Canada Greener Homes Loan. It's a zero-interest loan of up to $40,000 to help Canadians retrofit their homes and save on their energy costs. And over 53,000 Canadians and Canadian homes have been approved for that grant already. So that's more energy-efficient windows, uh, better doors, more insulation, anything to make your home easier to heat, easier to cool, and make it more energy-efficient for all. And again, saving you money at the end of the day. And the money that you save each year will make it easier to pay off that zero-interest loan if you, when you qualify. So programs like the Canada Greener Homes Loan are all about making it easier for families to save money and cut your carbon footprint at the same time. So friends, we do have a plan that puts more money in your pocket and protects the environment. So if you're on home heating oil, we're making these upgrades affordable and accessible. So together, we will all lower our greenhouse gas emissions and transition to a lower carbon carbon economy. My friends, our communities, our future, and the health of our communities and our economy and our planet depend on it.
Climate change is real. I was in Port of Basque earlier this week, and if you need a reminder of the impacts of climate change, go visit the southwest coast of our province. They're still on the road of recovery. We're all working together, federal provincially, to get that area back on their feet. But climate change is real. Many of the homes that are being rebuilt down there now are putting in heat pumps. They know that they have to do all they can to protect the environment, and we all have a part to play. Well, that was MP Goody Hutchings at an announcement this morning outlining a, a new uh, $24 million agreement, which will see the maximum amount of um, uh, people can receive to make the change from oil to uh, heat to electric pumps uh, increase from 17000 to $22,000. That announcement made at the Paul Reynolds Centre this morning. Well, are you looking for some outdoor activities tomorrow in Central Newfoundland, the town of Grand Falls, Windsor, is hosting its annual Family Fun Day at Corduroy Brook. Mayor Barry Manuel joins me now. Well, Barry Manuel, who doesn't love a little bit of winter outdoor activity? Yeah, no, especially with the snow, it's a great time of year and beautiful day here today. It's milder than it's been for a while, and we're certainly hoping to get a crowd tomorrow for our annual Family Fun Day at Corduroy Brook. It's on from 10 to 2, and it's... Uh, it's about the 23rd to 24th year that we've had this now, and we do have free chili and soup and hot dogs and pop juice and all kinds of goodies. There's games, bonfires for roasting marshmallows and wieners. There's sledding, ice fishing. Uh, you know, we got uh, lots of stuff inside as well, so uh, we hope to get a crowd out tomorrow, make sure all our, our food is gone and that people have a good time in the winter Sunday. Yeah, I'm looking at the forecast there now, and not really conducive to outdoor skating, but you can't have it all. No, you can't have it all. We've been looking at the forecast all week, of course, and it was changing uh, day by day. Right now, we're looking at possibility of some very light rain, uh, but it is going to be mild, and uh, the food, of course, will be inside the nature center, so people can get out of the weather if it is uh, not good. The ice skating is something we tried hard to have, but sometimes you're at the mercy of Mother Nature, and this year was one of those. So unfortunately, we won't be able to have ice skating tomorrow, but we do have lots of activities anyways. And what is it about Corduroy Brook that makes it such a draw? Well, the trail itself, I mean, we've got over 20 kilometers of trail here in Grand Falls, Windsor, and it's uh, the most popular recreational facility in town. There's hundreds of people who use it every single day. And, you know, we are so blessed to have something so close to an urban community, really, uh, to be able to get out in nature. We've got a protected wetland right next to the nature center. There's uh, all the trails and ponds, and people get out there. I think, you know, I uh, hear all the time it's good for their mental health. Obviously, it's good for their physical health. And the trail itself has been a common attraction in the summertime because we turned it into an interpretation center and have all kinds of living and non-living exhibits and a lot of visitors as well. So it's a great project. It's something that's been going on now for uh, almost 30 years. And the trail goes right through Grand Falls, Windsor, as I said, very well used. And, you know, there's still room for more people to start using it if they haven't. And once again, that is 10 to 2 at Corduroy Brook. Yes, it is. Barry Manuel, thanks so much. Have a great weekend. Thanks, Linda. I appreciate it.
So they won't be doing the outside skating, but uh, lots of other great winter activities. And winter is really a, a, a fun time to do outdoor stuff. It really, really is. I had a conversation with one of my friends who went snowshoeing, as you know, last uh, weekend, and she, you know, she just can't believe some people um, who, you know, you come to Newfoundland and you're complaining about the, you know, the outdoor weather, but it's like this for so much of the year. You have to get out and try to find something that you do like. And I think people need to be, in, you know, just introduced to more things. And when towns and cities have these group things that you can go to, I think, you know, sometimes we're, we're so into our own bubble that we forget, you know, maybe just, just take a chance and go to one of these things. It might not be your normal go-to, but I bet you, you'll have something to talk about and you might even find a new hobby. Exactly. And yeah. I mean, winter activities are, let's be honest, they're, they're quite a bit of fun. And there's something about being outside in winter if it's not too cold and mm-hmm. it's not too miserable. You know what I'm saying? Because we don't always have the best days. Um, there's something about that, that, I don't know if it's the air pressure or something, but it brings it all, it, it feels much more intimate. It's so Do funny. F- yeah, I... I'm surprised you brought that up because I never heard anybody put words to that before. It reminds me of my hu- my husband likes to, he hasn't done it much this year, but in the past. So he'd go on a snowmobile with some of his friends and they go to the quote picnic table. It's just a picnic table in the middle of a field, but you can imagine with the snow and the trees in the background. And he says that like his mind is just cleared just from being outside. It's something different. Say you're in your kitchen and you're having some soup, you know, your comfort food in your kitchen. But having that soup boiled up outside on a picnic table, there's oh, nothing like it. There's nothing like because a boil it's, up. It's so, yeah, boil up. It's, yeah. It soothes you inside and out, right? Yeah, it yeah. really does. And it connects you. Connects. Uh, that's a great word. Yeah. yeah, in a lot of ways. Well, I had a my own little uh, winter Ex, um, what would you call it? Adventure oh, yesterday. You did? Okay. Yes, and I was rather proud of myself oh. in many ways. So um, my uh, son wanted me to pick up a little bit of takeout on the way home. So uh, get in the car, pick that up on the way home. Uh, so you know how it is nowadays. Nobody has a bag anymore. So, <laughs> That's so you know, <laughs> uh, You know, I've got this little paper bag full of food. I got yeah. two drinks in my hand. I got my purse stuffed under my arm. Picture this now. Oh, yeah. I got another thing, like, strung over my other arm. <laughs> I'm getting out of the car, and it was surprisingly slippery when we left this building here last night. Mm-hmm. And uh, get home. Our driveway is on a slope. Get out of the car. And I hit this patch where the water has been running off of one of the vehicles. Yeah. And it's pure ice. And my two feet were planted. And here I am holding all this stuff. And I just went, wee. I I went about 10 to 12 feet before I hit the (laughs) snowbank in front of me. And the whole while... While I'm doing this, I looked like I was on skis, but I was actually just planted on my two feet on pure ice with all of this stuff. And it didn't even didn't even knock over the drink. The oh, drinks were I, I still an, don't know how I did that it. That is an art. It's an outdoor art, Linda. It wasn't very artistic is what I'm trying to say, because the whole while I was going down, I was screaming blue murder the whole way. They just Wah! You know, very unladylike, <laughs> and I'm sure that all the neighbors were thinking, "Oh my God, what's going on?" But you, there? S- you saved the food, right? The, the food was safe. Nobody knew. Walked in the house, 
nobody had a clue that I had encountered this <laughs> near oh. disaster. Did did you hurt yourself? Most importantly, no. Asked that at the beginning, but I'm. I don't know how I did it. But yesterday, I had a pack of Hubba Bubba Bubble Gum. No, not hub- Bazooka Joe. <laughs> I had a pack of Bazooka Joe bubble gum. I picked it up at Source for Sports. They sell them now at the oh, front okay. counter there. Yeah. And um, Bazooka Joe and it's Fortune. This was yesterday. Unless you are cautious, you could be heading for an accident. <laughs> anyway, I guess I was cautious. <laughs> Anyway, amazing. stay safe the weekend. Yes. Thanks for listening, everyone. We'll be back on Monday. Do join us then. Bye-bye for now.